Hello, hello. My name is Bird and I'm the Ex-Mormon Witch. Welcome to my space where I share my story and explore subjects I'm interested in. I have a gem to share with you today. The universe has given me a gift, a gift of laughter and humor, and I, I have to share. So I went to work today. I work in an office building and with the job that I do, sometimes I can take the time to listen to something while I work. Sometimes it's music or podcasts or audiobooks, whatever it is. Well, today I was feeling particularly bored and I wasn't sure what I wanted to listen to, but I kind of made up my mind that I wanted to listen to something sort of witchy. And so just for fun, I punched in to a general Google search like free witchcraft audiobook and I just clicked on one of them. It was uh, specifically Wiccan based and I am not a Wiccan, but it's it's difficult sometimes. This is a struggle that a lot of us have if we're into witchcraft, but we're not into Wicca. So many things are specifically geared towards Wicca. And I do feel like that's changing as time goes on. You definitely see more variety in witchcraft books, but still a lot of them are very Wiccan oriented. But I figured, what the hell? It, it can be a Wiccan book. Sometimes those are good. Sometimes they have good, interesting information in them, depending on who wrote them. I didn't even look at the author's name. I just clicked and I went, let's see how this is, because it was mostly just going to be noise in my ear, right? Something to keep my ADD brain from wandering too much. Oh boy, let me tell you, this book... <laughs> It's so bad. So the book I was listening to is called Wicca for Beginners. The author is Lisa Buckland. Uh, Lisa Buckland may or may not be a real person. There is absolutely no information, no author's bio anywhere. Uh, this seems to be one of those fake witchcraft books that pops up everywhere. This is, this is a thing. It's a phenomenon that we've all seen. These books that are put out by major publications and major companies, this one seems to be Amazon specifically, and it's just someone sort of regurgitating this smashed together weirdness based on the most basic misunderstandings of witchcraft, and in this case, Wicca ever. Um, it's super contradictory, first of all. And it is full, full, full to the brim of misinformation. And a lot of people, especially if they're practitioners, would read a book like this and just get furious, right? Because it's garbage, because it's complete misinformation. And there's this like fear that people are going to read this garbage and assume that it's accurate and act on that information. And people get kind of horrified by that, especially if they're the kind of person who has devoted a lot of time and effort into really good scholarship around their practice. And I absolutely understand those things. And my, my first impulse right out the gate from the introduction first chapter was to, to kind of get into that frame of mind to sort of scoff and roll my eyes because right out the gate, this book starts conflating witchcraft and Wicca and talking about them interchangeably as though they're the same thing, which is a huge pet peeve that any non-Wiccan witchcraft practitioner 
has. We all hate that, right? Because it's not accurate, because it's frustrating, because it, it does make it sound like any other form of witchcraft just isn't as good. But I decided to stick with it, and I decided to laugh at it, and I want to share my laughter with you. Because in my opinion, from my perspective, this kind of garbage is, in the grand scheme of things, fairly harmless. Sure, it's garbage information, and it's completely wrong, and there will probably be people who hear it or read it and and do take away misinformation about that. Um, but in my perspective, from my opinion, those people will either, they're just dipping into it because it's a fad, in which case the company got exactly what it wanted, which was they capitalized off of the fact that witchcraft is trendy right now and they got a couple bucks from someone who does not care about the craft and just wanted to dip their toe in with this very, very basic Wicca book. Or they're going to be someone who actually cares and they're going to go on to read more resources and get good information. And this will just be something they look back on and chuckle. And so to me, in my opinion, long term, no harm, no foul. There's no real damage done. And I think we should laugh about it because there's just not enough laughter in the world. So besides constantly conflating witchcraft and Wicca and pretending that they're exactly the same thing, um, she does contradict herself constantly, the author of this book. I'm, I'm going to say her, my friend, I, I was messaging a friend of mine through this whole thing just so that I have someone to laugh with about how ridiculous this all was. Um, my friend is convinced that Lisa Buckland is a spam bot, that they took a, a robot, they took a machine, ran it through a bunch of Wiccan books and blogs, and this was the result that a bot had to have written this because it's so bad. But I'm going to use her for convenience to refer to the author. Uh, she contrasts herself constantly. She immediately starts off by saying that Wicca is not a religion. It's a spirituality. But then proceeds to call it a religion for the rest of the book. So to kind of... Because I, I do think that this is a great starting off point, all this in, misinformation, to kind of, of build a conversation and sort of correct some of this misinformation while we laugh about it. So as clarification, uh, Wicca is a religion. It's a specific set of beliefs. It involves a specific set of theologies. It mm -hmm. isn't something that I'm super familiar with because I'm not a Wiccan. That's not the type of witchcraft I practice. But as far as I am aware from my periphery knowledge of it, it is mostly focused around nature veneration and specifically generally the worship mm -hmm. of the divine as polarized into male and female, a goddess and a god. And it's a fairly, fairly young religion, which is great because the author definitely says that Wicca predates Christianity. That Wicca is the religion that was practiced in antiquity. Specifically, I believe she says um, Celtic traditions is where it comes from. And that is completely and utterly not true. Wicca does have influences and inspirations that it derives from pre-Christian religion, but it is not a pre-Christian religion. She, um, at one point, does specifically contrast Wicca with its, uh, quote-unquote, modern neo-pagan cousins, which is hysterical. 
because Wicca is a modern neo-pagan religion, right? And for anyone who's not familiar, neo-pagan is just a term for the sort of reconstruction to some degree or another of quote-unquote pagan, pre-Christian, non-Christian forms of religion and spirituality. She also refers to Wicca as the art of the wise, which, if I am not mistaken, is something that can be attributed to Gerald or Gerald Gardner, who sort of is the father of Wicca. That was something that he referred to as as Wicca, witchcraft, this art of the wise. That also has absolutely no roots in antiquity. She makes a lot of sweeping assumptions. She makes the statement that most Wiccans or most witches believe in reincarnation. Um, if you are a baby witch and you are looking for indications that what you're reading is something you should be suspicious of, all of these things are red flags. All of them. Conflating Wicca with witchcraft, claiming that Wicca predates Christianity, and, and any sweeping generalizing statements with no research or statistics to actually back it up. If someone tells you, most witches this, most Wiccans this, be, be a little bit specific, especially if they're talking about a very, very, very specific belief. Definitely back it up. Definitely do other research because a lot of times when people say most, what they really mean is some because the witchcraft community as a whole is incredibly diverse. And What's really, really funny is that's actually something that the author says specifically. She specifically says, do not believe everything you read, which made me laugh out loud at my desk in the office because, yeah, honey, that's one thing you got absolutely right. Do not believe everything you read. She says, don't believe everything you read. She says that you should question everything and just the audacity, the audacity to read those, or in this case, listen to, because this was an audiobook, to listen to those words in the context of a book that is nothing but just misinformation after misinformation after misinformation. The audacity. I'm dying. You have no idea how funny this is to me. <sighs> anyway, our, uh, our dear friend Lisa is also obsessed with the Wiccan read. And there is nothing wrong with the Wiccan read. I do think that it is worth pointing out that if you hear someone reference the Wiccan read and all they reference is the and it harm none do as ye will, that is not the Wiccan read. That is a small section of the Wiccan read. And again, I'm not a Wiccan, so I don't know a lot about the Wiccan read, but I do know enough to tell you that that one line is, I think it's towards the end of a much larger section of text that is a general guideline for sort of how witches ought to comport themselves, I believe. But definitely, if you are interested in Wicca and if you're interested in the Wiccan read, don't hear people say, and it harm none, do what ye will, and assume that that is the Wiccan read in its entirety, because it absolutely is not. She um, is, is very obsessed with the Wiccan read, though, keeps bringing it up. She is very much 
into the this what I would describe as love and light practice, love and light practitioners. And that's that's not to say that that practitioners can't be love and light, but referring to someone as a quote unquote love and light practitioner specifically is to denote a very specific kind of practitioner who is all about love and light. Love and light is everything. They are very much against anything that might be, you know, dark magic, very much against hexing, very much against cursing, very much against any form of negativity, good vibes only, positivity only. And and I would love to do a full, I, I think I will do a full episode at some point about my problem with that and why I think that that's a, an issue, why I am not a love and light only practitioner. Um, but this is something that the author is very much against, anything that might be dark. Specifically, this sort of intersects with the way she talks about Christianity, because she is very, very defensive against Christianity. She's constantly sort of speaking in a way that is defensive, trying to emphasize, you know, Wicca is not about demons. It's not about darkness. It's it's all about love and light. It's all about love and light, which which is, I think, a very, very fear-based approach to just practice in general. This defensiveness, this obsession with sort of proving yourself to Christians, sort of defending yourself against this idea that some Christians might have that what is witchcraft, it's demon worship, right? And, and I don't think that this is a useful approach to take. I can understand it a lot. If, if this is your perspective, if this is something that you experience and, and you're very much feeling this sort of defensiveness when the idea of Christianity sort of versus witchcraft comes up, I think that that's really, really understandable. But I would encourage you gently to sort of step past it if you can, because it doesn't matter what other people think about your practice. Your spiritual practice is your own. And I don't think that it is very valuable to be defensive about it. If someone comes to you and says, oh, your practice is inherently evil, your practice is demonic, which people have definitely said to me specifically, if that is not the case, don't worry about it. Shrug your shoulders. It's not a big deal. Let them think what they're going to think and move on with your life. And even if even if it is true, maybe you are into dark craft. Maybe you are into demonic summoning or whatever you're into. Again, you don't need to be defensive about that. You don't need to prove the validity or the importance or the efficacy of your craft to anyone. You can just brush all of that off to the side. It's not important. I, I hate to see people get sort of wrapped up in this defensiveness, trying to prove themselves against Christianity. It's kind of heartbreaking. Uh, something that, that also really cracked me up was wrapped up in this defensiveness was, was this desire to sort of like separate Wiccans or witches because again, she was using these interchangeably from Christians to create this like very sharp, clear distinction between these two faiths and doing that by talking sort of very positively about Wicca and very derisively about Christianity, which again, I don't think is very useful. She does specifically say that you cannot be Christian and a Wiccan. You can't be a Christian Wiccan. Uh, I think there might be some validity to that specifically 
if you are not conflating witchcraft and Wicca, it's very, very easy to be a Christian witch, but it can be very, very difficult to combine Christianity and the worship of the Christian God specifically into the veneration of other deities because Christianity does have this sort of very polarized one true God philosophy. You do have to, to be very, very flexible in order to be able to pair that with other forms of religion. So with Wicca specifically tending to have a very strong emphasis on this duality of the divine, this masculine and feminine divine, and the way that those things are represented in nature, the way that those things are represented in Wiccan ritual, I, I think it would be very, very difficult to be a Christian Wiccan. There is probably someone somewhere out there who's making it work. But I, I do imagine that that would be a really hard thing to do. Uh, but again, if someone makes sweeping generalized statements, maybe, maybe ask questions. Maybe they don't know what they're talking about. You never know. There's usually an exception to the rule anywhere you go. Um, she also tries very, very hard to separate practices from Christianity and paganism. And this is something that you very much see across the board. You see this with Christians as well. Christians get really, really defensive about things that are perceived as being witchy, right? Like growing up, my family never celebrated Halloween. Why? Because I grew up in the Bible Belt surrounded by really, really conservative Christians who believed that it was a satanic holiday that Halloween was the devil's birthday or some such nonsense, that it was demonic and evil and terrible. It was a pagan holiday, that it was in no way Christian. You'll see that come up with Christmas as well. This sort of argument, this sort of back and forth between pagans and Christians, what elements of the modern Christian Christmas or the modern secular Christmas even, what parts of those are Christian and what parts of those have sort of been adopted and adapted from pagan traditions. And you'll see people arguing really strongly one way or the other. I've seen Christians just go off trying to sort of reclaim these traditions by arguing that they have no basis in pagan culture or pagan traditions. Santa Claus, for instance, Nope, that is Saint Nicholas. Whereas pagans will point out the pagan influences in those things and will say, no, Santa Claus is definitely pagan. We have references to Odin and all of these other deities and ideas and concepts in this archetype that has become the modern Santa Claus. Personally, I don't think that this is a useful argument to have, no matter which side of the divide you fall on. Because in our modern understanding of these things, we are incapable of separating where these influences came from. Our modern conception just of Santa Claus, for instance, just to sort of keep with that one single icon, our modern conception of that character is a fusion of Christian and pagan ideas to the extent that we will never be able to completely separate out where all of those influences came from. 
when Christianity spread and moved into all of these different cultures across the Western world and became intermingled with their traditions, because you have to remember before modern day, there was no separation between secular and religion, between your everyday life and your spiritual life. This is why so many ancient religions have no name. You wouldn't have a name that you called your religion. This was just the religion that you had. This was just the way your people practice spirituality. And and so when all of these traditions started getting fused in with Christianity, there is no real way that we can separate them. There will always be influences from Judaic tradition, Judeo-Christian tradition specifically, within modern pagan practice, because all of our resources, for the most part, are filtered through that lens. All of the records that we have of these old stories that were the basis of these traditions, of these deities, they were all recorded by Christian monks, filtered and, and understood and explained through that lens. And the same is true of Christianity. None of the Christian practices or ideas or holidays, none of them, none of the iconography, nothing is completely pure and untainted from pagan influence at this point in history. And the only way we would have even the slightest hope of untangling those two things would be to actually go back in time and actually talk to those people and say, what do you think? What do you believe? What are you practicing? And I think we would all be really, really surprised. So if you are a, a Christian and you want something to be a Christian symbol for you, if you want something to be a Christian holiday or a Christian practice or a Christian Christmas tree decoration, I don't think you need to defend that. I don't think you need to justify that try and find historical sources that support that this is exclusively a Christian thing and it was never influenced by pagan anything, blah, blah, blah. I don't think you need to do that. Just enjoy your spirituality for what it is. Enjoy your spiritual and religious practice for what it is. Embrace it. Live your life fully. You don't need to be defensive. And same thing with pagan practitioners, Wiccans, witches of any kind, neo-pagans, reconstructionists or eclectic. Don't worry about being defensive. Don't worry too much. If it's, if it's fun for you, because it is fun. And, and I know that some people, this is what lights them up on the inside is the academic research, asking these questions, following these threads. And if that's you, more power to you. But if you find yourself so wrapped up in this idea of like trying to be pure, trying to keep your spirituality and your spiritual practice pure, if you find yourself so wrapped up into that that you can't practice anything, maybe that's not being useful anymore. Maybe that's not being useful and you need to just to just set it aside and move on. All right, it's just, just a personal opinion. So kind of bringing things back from my rant to our, our dear Miss Lisa Buckland, our dear robot, whoever she is, <laughs> she, um, along with the Wiccan Reed, she puts a big emphasis on the law of three. 
If you're not familiar with the law of three, it is this idea that whatever you put out into the world, whether good or bad, is going to return to you threefold. So if you put goodness out into the world, good things will come back to you three times over. If you put negativity of any kind out in the world, negativity is going to return to you three times over. This law of three is usually very tied up in the whole and it harm none idea. It sort of uses the justification for that, for why you need to be all positive and love and light. Oh, oh, I I forgot. I forgot all about this. Uh, so when she was talking about this whole love and light thing, this whole and it harm none thing, one of the justifications she uses <laughs> is that Wicca is based in nature, right? And in nature, get this, in nature... There is no harming of anyone or anything. Nature isn't about harming things. Which is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. Has this woman never met a predator? Does she know that, should we tell her that bears exist? Should we tell her that bears and wolves exist? Should we tell her that nature is, in many cases, violent and destructive? Should we tell her that a lot of these, the darker practitioners draw on nature and the violent primalness of nature for hexes and curses? Should, should we tell her? Who's going to tell her? Who's going to tell her? I want to, I kind of want to tell her. Uh, but uh, anyway, she does um, rather offensively, in my opinion, equate the law of three with karma. And, and if I could just say absolutely definitively no. <laughs> uh, first of all, karma, as a lot of people in the Western world understand it, is not a thing. If your idea of karma is this sort of uh, Newtonian principle of every action has an equal and opposite reaction, you do not understand karma. Karma is, and I know practically nothing about karma for this reason, it is a part of Hindu tradition specifically. It is very tied up in the Hindu idea of spirituality and reincarnation and the soul's journey through multiple reincarnations to the inevitable goal of, I think it's nirvana. I don't know. Do, do research into that. If karma is something that interests you, you have to research Hinduism as a religious path, as a spirituality. The way that we in the Western world use the word karma is, is not a thing. And it is definitely not about the law of three. Those are two completely different things. And definitely research both of those things. But research them with the understanding that they are not the same. Okay? She also does this by very casually throwing out the term voodoo doll. Voodoo or hoodoo is a very specific spiritual path. It's not, no, you can't, you just can't, okay? Uh, puppets, little figures that are used to represent people. Puppets have been used by a lot of practitioners from a lot of spiritual paths. You see them in a lot of places used in a variety of ways for a variety of reasons. But you cannot use the word poppet and the word voodoo doll 
interchangeably. Voodoo and hoodoo, and again, this is not my area of expertise. Please do not take anything I say except with a giant grain of salt and a heaping dose of your own research. But that's a specific spiritual path. That's a tradition that is rooted in traditions brought over from African spiritual traditions and adapted over time by enslaved people of African ancestry in America. It is its own very unique, very, very beautiful spiritual path. It has its own traditions. It's its own thing. And sometimes it's just not helpful to just pick and choose whatever you want from different places, especially, especially if you do not understand it. I am an eclectic witch. I have no problem with people picking and choosing to a certain extent what works for them, but you can't do that blindly. You can't do that mindlessly. You have to understand where these things come from and why they matter. If you want to use poppets in your practice and you are not a hoodoo practitioner, research poppets across the board. See how they're used in a variety of traditions and then adapt that to your practice. Adapt the poppet as a tool to your practice. But don't try to make a voodoo doll fit in your practice when you have done no research and do not understand voodoo or hoodoo in and of itself as a path, as a spiritual or religious belief. Just don't do it. It's so disrespectful. This is, this is a problem, okay? Don't do it. Uh, she also uh, refers to the pentacle as a Wiccan symbol used to identify Wiccans. There is some truth to this. Wiccans have wholeheartedly embraced the pentacle. They are not the only ones. Um, interestingly enough, the origin of the word pentacle is linked to just pendant. It was used in a lot of older texts to indicate any magical talisman. It's not necessarily what we in the modern context think of when we hear the word pentacle, which is the five pointed star within the circle. Um, and not all witches use pentacles. I don't use pentacles really. I don't have any objections to them, but I don't really use pentacles. Um, also reference pentagrams as a very specific witchy thing. Uh, fun, interesting fact for you, Christians used to use pentagrams. At one point, it was very, very common to see pentagrams in Christian iconography, in Christian symbology. Christians have used the symbol of the pentagram to represent the five wounds of Jesus on the cross. It has been used to represent the five senses, the five virtues, and, and so many, many other things. And that's just considering Western influences. Symbols are used in a variety of ways by a variety of people. And any, any one symbol, especially one that's been around as long as a five-pointed star, which is a really, really basic, easy symbol to make. I mean, we've all been drawing five-pointed stars since we, we've learned to pick up crayons, right? Um, that's going to have a lot of different meanings depending on where it comes from. And it does not exclusively belong to any one religion. She does go into sort of, this is how to 
do spell work. She talks about casting a circle. She does specifically say that casting a circle isn't necessary, which I appreciate because it isn't. And that is something that I've seen in other sort of, I would think of them as garbage witchcraft books, but we can more politely say witchcraft books that I strongly disagree with. I, I think that any book that tells you you have to do XYZ is, is kind of garbage unless you're talking about a very specific religion, a very specific form of spirituality. Um, she does, she does recommend drawing a circle sometimes for the sake of protection. And that sort of goes back to this sort of fear that's saturated through this whole love and light emphasis. You, you have to be in love and light. You need the circle for protection because there's this constant fear of dark influences, dark energies, dark entities. She, in the same vein, brings in the idea of sage. Um, sage is a complicated thing. There are a lot of people who are into this spiritual movement, but don't really take it seriously, who throw around the idea of using sage sort of cavalierly. Um, it is worth noting that white sage specifically is endangered right now, specifically because the use of sage took off with the spiritual movement and it has been over harvested in an appalling way. There is an ethical issue that comes in with using certain things and sage is one of them. White sage is not something that you need to be using in your practice unless you are Native American and as far as I'm concerned, Native Americans can do whatever they want with things that grow here natively. They have more than earned it with the crap that our society has put them through. Um, but if you are a little witchling, sage is not necessary. Sage is nice. It smells really good. You can find sage that's common sage, that's not white sage, that's, I don't believe, endangered. We cook with sage, so it's pretty, pretty popular. You should be able to get your hands on it. Um, but do, do some research and keep in mind that cleansing things with smoke is something that can be done with a variety of herbs and even certain types of wood. You don't have to have sage for that. I know every basic witch book ever is going to say sage. Don't, don't think that you have to do that. You don't. She also has a big emphasis in this book. Um, she likes to go on about how Wicca is scientific. It's rooted in science. She says, she says Wiccans rely on both gnosis and science, which I find um, a little amusing. There is a lot of witchcraft practitioners who will tell you that their practice is based on evidence, that it is based on the scientific method, based on experimentation. Their results are real. They have leaned into this craft and they have achieved real results. And I'm not going to argue with that. There's a reason why we practice. If we didn't see results when we did things, we wouldn't continue to do things because what would be the point, right? But she goes so far as to say that Wicca is not a supernatural religion, you know, like Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. What? What? 
I'm dying, you guys. We're back to the humor. We're back off the rant and back into the humor. Wicca is not a supernatural religion like Christianity, Islam, or Judaism. It isn't. It's not supernatural. It's purely rooted in the natural world. This is the funniest thing I've ever heard in my life. I've never heard anyone try to make this argument before that Wicca or witchcraft is is entirely not supernatural, that it's purely based in the natural world. Like, what what do you think supernatural means? Because, like, Christians and Muslims and Jews and anybody else from any other religion is going to make the exact same argument that the rules of their conception of God are the rules of nature and vice versa. That if you believe God exists, you're going to believe that God and nature are in complete unity and therefore nothing is supernatural to a certain extent, right? But how how do you lack the, I mean, I know how because this is, this is a, not a real book. This is a garbage book that exists solely to make money off of people who don't know any better. Do not buy this book. Do not buy any book like this. But how do you lack the self-awareness and the self-reflection to set your religion up on a pedestal like that and be like, my religion is completely based in science and rationality, unlike every other religion that exists? Oh, boy. Actually, as I'm saying that, um, I'm reminded of every Christian I've ever known, and it's not actually uncommon for people to do this. But just don't. Just maybe don't do that. That's It's kind of a garbage thing to do. Maybe have some respect for the fact that other people don't agree with you about things. And just be nice about it. Just be nice. Okay? Just be nice. Uh, she kind of wraps up her thing with this sort of odd conclusion where she really sort of emphasizes that spellcraft is fun and leaning into the fun aspects of it. And... Yeah, there's, I don't think there's anything wrong with that necessarily. Like, you can practice witchcraft for whatever reason you want. If you want to practice witchcraft purely for the fun of it, purely for aesthetic reasons, more power to you. 110% I support you. Do what you want to do, baby. But I think it's worth asking, like, is that what you really want? Is that really fulfilling? And, and I think this is another indication of when books are just bad is a book that that sort of emphasizes witchcraft for fun. If that's not your thing, if you're looking for a, a deep, spiritual, meaningful path, like, yeah, you can have fun with it. You absolutely should have fun with it. But if that's sort of your, one of your big concluding points is, is about how spellcraft should be fun, uh, I don't know, that doesn't really vibe with me, you know? Because I'm way more interested in having a deep, meaningful relationship and connection through witchcraft with myself and with the world around me. That's, that's what lights my fire. Uh, she, she does also sort of throw out, you know, a section about tools. You can't have a garbage witchcraft book without them telling you about all the stuff you need to buy, right? Uh, in case you're wondering... Here is a list of every tool you need, you need, 
to have these tools, okay, for your witchcraft practice. Here's a complete list. Are you ready? Nothing. That's what you need. Nothing. You don't need anything. Tools are not a requirement for witchcraft. This is this has been a PSA. This is my soapbox moment. You don't need tools. It's not important. Interestingly enough, you don't need books either. And you especially don't need books like this. The, this, this book is a wild ride. It is funny as anything. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I thoroughly enjoyed it because I know how bad it is. And sometimes it's fun to be a trash panda, to be a raccoon, and to just glory over the garbage. This is a thing that I enjoy. I, I thoroughly enjoyed listening to every minute of this audiobook and roasting the crap out of it. Um, it has been a great inspiration for this particular podcast episode, <laughs> sort of dipping into a lot of these misconceptions. I had a fun time. I hope you had a fun time coming along with me. And uh, let's just let's just remind ourselves here at the end of this conversation of the wise, wise words of Lisa Buckland, author of Wicca for Beginners. Do not believe everything you read. Don't don't believe everything you read, especially not this book. <laughs> Be good, my beautiful lovelies. I will talk to you later.